Welcome, friends, to Radio Free Muncie, broadcasting from the back of a van somewhere in the Muncie greater metropolitan area, and your source for reviews and discussion of the Knights of the Dinner Table comic created by Jolly Blackburn, published by Kenzer & Company. So jump onto your Vespa, ride down to the games pit, crack open your dice bag, and grab a character sheet. It's game on. Has this ever happened to you? Okay, Tommy, you need to roll a 12 to hit and save the party's bacon. With my bonuses, that only makes an eight, baby. Oh, geez, a six. Don't leave critical rolls to chance. When your party is counting on you, wield the best. Choose Black Oak Workshop Dice and Accessories. With over 175 products, the family-owned and operated Black Oak Workshop's thematic and innovative designs will jazz up your game. Let's try that again, Tommy, with dice from Black Oak Workshop. Oh, Drake Lich D20, don't fail me now. Natural 18, baby, take that, foul beast. The lone kobold succumbs to your relentless assault. The day is won. Black Oak Workshop, official dice maker for Radio Free Muncie. Home of the original adventure calendar, Black Oak Workshop, where dice are treasure. Ask your game master about the 5% experience point bonus when using Black Oak Workshop dice and accessories. Side effects from Black Oak dice may include angry dungeon masters, more critical hit, shorter combats, increased envy levels from gaming friends, excessive boredom from too much winning. here radio free Monty. we're driving around random neighborhoods rando neighborhoods I, rando i don't know yeah we're are we looking for that dude we look we looking for that guy that called us around that neighborhood we're trying to confirm if this guy's a real person or not see if we can find a dog yipping like he's on energy drinks so yeah. we'll just drive around. He gave us a street number, right? Or the street name? Something yeah. in Ninth, I think. Or the neighborhood or something? I don't remember exactly what he said. Dude sounded like a weirdo to me anyway. I mean... can't believe he called our van a piece of shit. Well, I can <laughs> believe that part. That part makes total sense. Sorry, Jordan. <laughs> One of these days, we'll have a cool van. Yeah, it's going to be good. South Perkins and Ninth. Yeah, we're heading that way. This is right up this way. South Perkins? That's where this guy... That's what he said, yeah. That's what he said? All right. I got my... I got my bat. I had... Had a lot of... Had a lot of trouble putting these nails in it. Got it to work. There it is. South Perkins and night. All right. All right. So here we are cruising around. Damn who would live in this neighborhood, man? This place doesn't seem that nice. Yeah, it looks. It's like a, it's like an assisted living place, man. I expect to see a K and W cafeteria. K and W. You guys have those K and W K and W cafeterias? It's like going into an assisted living place. People no, I don't even know what a K and W cafeteria is. Never heard of that before. That must be a must be a thing 
where I grew up in Virginia, it was a big, it was a big uh, chain, local chain, cafeteria chain, and man, the the elderly loved it. I loved it too. Actually, the food was really good. Oh, like, like Bill Knapps. It's like Bill Knapps in Michigan. I don't, I don't think they're even still around. But when I was a kid, that was like, that was like where a lot of the old people went. Was Bill Knapps. Must be. Yeah. Yeah. So while we're riding around here, let's just, we'll pull over here. I didn't see any Jolly responses. He still says he's going to catch up. Jolly has abandoned us. He, he's left us. We are, we are now adrift on a sea of no Jolly. You know, I think he's coming back. Is he? He's, he's, I think he's holed up in his rider shack. Listening to Ramsey Lewis or Mike Nesmith or some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Eating <laughs> handicapped cheddar fries. and uh, Thelonious something. Thelonious Monk. Yeah, so I, I named my wizard after a Thelonious Monk. I thought it was a you cool know, name. Was, that, was, that was pretty good. You had some pretty specific references there, man. The handicapped <laughs> cheddar fries. I'm That's like, that's almost jolly-esque in and of itself. Because, you know, I was actually in the... In my notes, I was going to say something about how Jolly always has all these little details, you know. You just you just did it. <laughs> if you're familiar with uh, Dennis Miller, when well, he's still around, but back when he was on SNL, he had the most obscure references that he would say. It's like, what does that even mean? But you just laugh because it sounds funny. Yeah, no, I yeah, I, I know who Dennis yeah, Miller. Yeah, handicapped cheddar fries. Uh, yeah, I remember I know those. what those were, though. It's just such a specific... Specific reference, you know. So, speaking of Jolly, uh, I guess 308 is out now. Uh, 309 is coming out. Look for one of the funniest parting shots. Oh, cartoon. my God. Uh, Here we go. Uh, <laughs> oh, I saw that one. That looked lame, man. Yeah, that's pretty no, lame. It so, looked, no, it uh, was good. It was good. At three, 310 is when he, they're going to the... It's like a digest size now. It's, it, I, well, two issues in one. I thought it was three issues in one. Two. Just two. Yeah. And and I think when that happens, hopefully it'll his schedule it'll give him some more flexibility and then he'll maybe we can talk him into coming into the van. And by talking into, I mean let's just pull up to his house, drag him out of his shed, get chloroform yeah. and rolling him up in a carpet. Yeah, but the three oh eight is not actually out yet. It's uh in post production and getting ready to go off to the printer. Oh, okay. 307 is the latest one there. Yep. Hey, you know what that means? We're doing number seven tonight. It's exactly 300 issues yep. behind. Is that a coincidence? Does that even matter? Probably means nothing. Yeah, he did so, post something on social media that he's doing a little side strip on one of the pages 300 issues ago. Yeah. So I noticed a lot, like the newer things that come up he's talking about. It's stuff that we just covered, so that makes sense. It's like 300 issues ago. And speaking of 300 issues ago, classic oh, yeah. issue. Man, there's some, there's some good stuff in here. But before we do that, we do have some reader emails. We don't have any more voicemails, so we had a really good splash of voicemails and maybe should have saved a few for... <laughs> and spread them out. The last yeah. one Scott left must have worn him out. Yeah. 
But we do have another letter from Master Sergeant Cohn, and we've got, I say a letter, we've got a, an email. email, and we've got an email from Walter Walensky. Walter Walensky. Yes. Fellow honorary knight. Yes, a fellow honorary knight. So, I'll, I'll let you guys discuss that one. I'm going to stay out of it. Oh, yeah, you're going to stay out of it. All right, so let's, let's dive into Master Sergeant Cohn's responses to issue eight. So issue number eight, I'll paraphrase, and then, Steve, you can comment however you <laughs> want. Why do you assume I'm going to comment? Why didn't you say, George, you can comment? Well, you know, are you saying I never shut up, Wes? Huh? What are you trying you know, to say? My, my, I, I'm, what I'm telling you is I'm flipping my Steve card to green. This is like, we we're talking about this, George. This is like a Brazilian steakhouse. I got a, I got a card. It, green means more Steve. I flip over the red. I'm going to need a little less Steve yeah, for a while. It's like, it's like <laughs> oh my God, I think I'm going to start puking because I had too much yeah. food. I better flip the little wooden thing. To, to... Yeah. Flip the little wooden thing and I'll hit the buffet. Maybe I'll get something to drink and. Oh, wait, here comes the guy with the roasted pineapple. I'll get a slice of that, but no more Steve. No more Steve. I can't take any more Steve. <laughs> it's awesome and wonderful, but I just can't take any more. Yeah, it's yeah. too much. All right. So Master Sergeant Cohn says, if Pete was, a, was as tight as a steel drum, in quotes, he would have told Brian something like, I can't say... But when you figure it out, you'll be amazed that he really dug up some high-level information from GM camp. And yeah. then that might have made Brian dig deep, and he might have figured it out, but, you know, but even it would have been on him then. He said wait, Pete was as tight as a moo-moo. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with Because, I mean, tight as a steel drum means... Nothing goes in or out. So yeah, tight as a steel drum is like it wouldn't have even like been, what? Like it would have been like piss off, dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know what you're talking about. And the and the pirate thing. Yeah, no. I mean, I agree. I mean, I I knew about the share thing, right? And and that comes up a lot in a lot of different contexts. I was just saying that that's actually would have been really advantageous for Brian to because sorry, I'll let you say what what he said before I comment. Oh, yeah. He's saying on this shares, <laughs> he's saying on issue nine, that pirates often use shares as payouts. So a captain would get two shares, a C word would get a share and a half. Yeah. And then there were shares voted on for other things that happen. Sounds like that's what Sarah's tapping into. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, and that's the thing, like, because the whole idea of a share thing is like, you can use them to reward people. People who do better can get an extra share. Right. I mean, it was even in, it was in Alien. Remember the Alien movie where they're talking about how the two mechanic guys, oh. like, we're going to get a full share, right? We're going to get show. a full share. So I, I think in, in his reference to Pirate, I, it's probably like a nautical thing, maybe even. I don't know. But, but my point was that works out really good for Brian because there's lots of ways you can manipulate that type of situation, right? Maybe they decide yeah. to award themselves a huge number of shares, which devalues the, all the other shares. I mean, it's, a, it's something that could be manipulated. That's right. what I was getting at. It's a great system, and it makes perfect sense. See, I didn't want you to flip that card, so I shut up. How'd you like that? I stopped. 
I saw you reach. Yeah, it's like the saw the the like the guy's edging towards your table, and you just kind of reach for the card so he knows it yeah. goes the other way. So he says, getting things into a fanny pack. He said his first thought was that maybe shrink item or reduce spell or the reduce spell, though that would need you to disassemble the wagon. And reduce normally moves the target one size smaller, so a horse would be medium, still all too big for a fanny pack. Maybe Hackmaster has some specialty spell to enlarge a portal or reduce. And and I had thought this myself. Maybe that's part of the magic of whatever the device is that it grows. You know, if you what you know stick something towards it, it just kind of grows big enough for you. It goes in. Yeah. But I don't know if that's in the description or yeah. anything. Well, we don't know anything about anything. We don't know what the reduced spell in Hackmaster as it's played in the Knights of the Dinner Table. Like, we don't know what the rules around any right. of that stuff actually are. Um, but, and, and he's right. Like there could be some, how many very specific spells have we seen? No, several already. In, right, a bunch. So I, I think it's possible. But I also thought of another thing because, so tell me what you think about this. In D&D, in as far back as I can remember, putting any any bag of holding into another bag of holding or portable hole or whatever created a big right. problem, right? But in this case, it doesn't work like that. So there's a couple there's a couple things here. One is there's nothing that specifies how big a regular bag of holding is or a pouch of holding or whatever is on the inside. It doesn't say that it's, you know, like in the D&D rules, it gives like a dimension, which is pretty small. It's like two by two by six right. or something like that. Oh, they don't say that. So these things could still have pretty large volumes inside. And there's some indication that there is because like in one of the strips tonight, Dave has a bunch of henchmen in his yep. bag holding, right? So here's what they could have done. They could have put the big stuff into bigger bags and chests and things and then put those bags into the pouch. Because it says specifically in the Gary Jackson document that putting a type, the other type of bag into the ones that have bag world does not affect them. And that's even how they're able to go across the waste and still use magic because they're using magic within, and I know we're going to get to this later yeah. in bag world, but they're, you know, they're, the rules around, around these mass storage devices and bags of holdings and things are not the same as they are in the games that we usually play like D&D. So there, there's my monologue. I saw Wes just flipped the card. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I think I thought through it a little bit and yeah, there's lots of ways you could, you could monkey around with it to make it work. They're all kind of cheesy, but you can do it. So there's no plot hole here. Damn you, Jolly. I'm thwarted again. Versus foiled again. Jolly in his airtight writing, perfect artwork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he starts going on and talking about bitter people and sociopaths and Brian. Yeah, Brian's a sociopath. He, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I, I mean, this, I read this email and I'm like, oh yeah, so, so Master Sergeant Cohn agrees with everything I said, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. I think he's a smart guy. I like it when smart people agree yeah. with him. <laughs> <laughs> And he agrees that Brian probably considers himself lawful good. Because the rules don't you know, say I, you know, I can't I, to do this. 
Yeah, I there's actually a fair amount of that. Kind of, I, I'll save all my commentary about that for the comic because there's a fair amount of that kind oh, of thing yeah. in the comic this week. So, so Walter, your good buddy that gave you all those gifts and thinks I'm jealous of you. Did you notice that? He said he thinks I'm jealous of you. Saying that, it's I like he looked right into my soul and saw the truth of it. All right, so let's go to Walter Walensky's George Fields uh, fan fiction here. So <laughs> he says, basically, stop complaining that you don't get mail because I got. Oh, yeah, because we got one email from. Yeah, Walter. <laughs> his one email just satisfies our desire for 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 listener feedback. <laughs> Thank what, you, Walter. Your email yeah. is the gift that just keeps. Yeah, like the Wes's <laughs> validation of that first voice. Yeah. Well, that's, that's all going to happen, right? Like, we got four voicemails. Now we're never going to get another one again. They're like, yep, yeah. I did it. It got that job done. Moving They've on. Been validated. I'm done. Uh, he says, I like the change to the site where you list all the, the methods to get in contact. So this was actually, thanks for Walter for this. He, he, he sent us a note and said, hey, on your show description, could you put your email and your voicemail and all that? We hadn't done that. The show description was pretty sparse. So I actually went back and redid the entire show description, put all of our contact info. So you don't have to go to the actual episode show notes to see that. It's right on the show description. So thanks for giving us the idea to do that. It yeah, seems thank, to, you for, uh, thank you for helping Wes to stop screwing up. We, we really do appreciate that. It's like a full-time job for us. And any help we can get, any help we can get with that, is really great. It's like it's like following ten toddlers around in a in a a, a nail and glass factory. You know, like yeah. we're just waiting for Wes to do something that just you know. All right, I'll just skip through all that. So Walter, we're not even going to keep that in. You didn't see my red. I flipped my card. <laughs> he said that he's been listening from the beginning. He highly approves on the way that we work. Our mobile studio he puts in parentheses why does he or in quotations why is the quotations it is a mobile studio it surprised me how effective or how efficient it is the quotations around studio yeah it's, it's mobile it's not much of a studio <laughs> he said he likes the how efficient it is with the three of us talking in such a small space and the sound doesn't suffer at all it's very clear and do we ever have trouble finding a parking space Nah, we just cruise around till we get a space. I mean, it's Muncie, you know. We have a bigger problem with people chasing us off because yeah. like, this van is a piece yeah. of shit. Now he gets into it here. He We talk about George's lunch dates and about how people gift him stuff. Uh, we shouldn't be jealous of him. Maybe we should be jealous of him. I think he's talking to me. I don't think he's talking to Oh, okay. Uh, Steve shouldn't be jealous of George. I mean, he didn't say that, but I am one. I, I am the one who made the comment about him, about both. Nowhere does it say call Steve out specifically. No, but I, I We're assuming to, it means Steve. I, I listened to the other podcast, the last podcast. I try to do that right before we're going to you know, do the next, the next one. And, and I specifically said, when George said he got all that stuff from Walter, I said something like, 
man, people give you stuff all the time. Like I, so I, I think he's talking to me. He's saying what, yeah. What would George Fields do? That's how you should live your life. <laughs> so, uh, he, he accepts our thanks in advance. Well, thank you. And, uh, and, uh, that's right. Which is not too far off from WWJD, right? Like, so you, you think you're God, George, is that it? Like the G stands for gravy. <laughs> gravy. What would gravy do? So for Fred Sanford, Fred G. Sanford, the G stood, always stood for something different depending on what was going on. The G stands for game master. <laughs> so he's saying, hey, he expects a full episode for us to cover how great George is and to read these now <laughs> or rip him down either our choice either way listeners will be entertained he always says keep it up and uh, right. maybe he can pick up Jolly or Barbara on one of our trips Barbara doesn't get the acknowledgement she deserves for her involvement yeah I would agree that I mean Jolly would be the first one to tell you that Barb is a superstar oh yeah but the public at large may not realize that now, she does do some of the editorials, and I think when she started doing that, maybe folks started realizing you know, how, what an important piece of the puzzle she is of putting this really awesome game magazine together every month. So, yeah, hats off to Barb for sure. And our, she who just had a birthday, by the way. So, happy birthday, Barb. Yeah. Oh, man. The days just flow by like a broken down dam, to quote John Prine, which neither one of you... Creeps. No idea. So keep up the good work. And if we're in Indy, drop by. George knows where I live. So maybe we'll have to get the van, drive down to Indy sometime. And definitely would like to have Jolly and Barb, either one or both, on the show at some point. It's definitely an open invitation, but I I wouldn't want to do something that would delay the production of the magazine coming out because everybody's got wait to crack. Yeah, I got it. There, you can't hold that up. Yeah, hopefully when they go to the new format, that'll give them a little bit more right. time. So, so that is listener responses, and we really do appreciate the time that people take to let us know their thoughts, even if they 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 are louding our friend George Fields. And I'm pretty sure I'm not very jealous of George. Somewhat jealous. Not somewhat. Maybe. Maybe a little. I don't know. It's hard to say. You're jealous of George's beard. Pretty awesome guy. You know, what's funny is my son would tell, he wants me to grow a beard. So. So you can be like George. I can be like, specifically so I can be like George. Actually, I think it's so I can be more like Kratos from the God of War video. (laughs) But um, it's pretty close to that, though. I mean, George is like seven foot. I have been told that I can grow a pretty epic beard. Yes. I would agree. I am jealous. But not so much about the beard, more about you getting close. Epic and sexy. That's your epic and sexy, yes. All right, so come on, let's, we got to look at this comic. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Going into Knights of the Dinner Table, number seven. The Dice Man Cometh. Yes. What what a great name for a uh, issue. 
And I see the I see the editorial is dated April twenty eighth, nineteen ninety seven. I guess this would have been the May issue, and I can't see something like that. Yep, the May issue. So we'll start with a cover. It's another Jolly cover. Yeah, another classic. And it's very red. Very red. <laughs> this this even when I I, I was sorting all my. KODTs about a week ago, trying to figure out which ones I don't have, and even even the, this one stands out even when you're sorting them. It's like so red, but it's pretty cool cover. Pretty cool cover. Notice, yeah. I was gonna say, notice Bob doesn't have a character sheet, but you can tell by the text that his character's dead anyway. Yeah, he's mapping yeah. though. Of course, one of the tropes that comes up is he's took my ring when I'm resurrected. You're dead. Oh, why are you taking a personal? Just playing my character. Yeah, that's the just playing my character trope. Yep. Yeah, he just, uh, it, it's always great when people justify the shitty things they do as players by by suddenly becoming master role players that must be true to their character right. concept. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I, I'm just playing, he killed his mother for a ring of hefty damage. And, all, right, what? all right. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward cover. It's pretty no, good. Uh, no hidden you know. things to look for, not a whole lot to study on it. And the inside cover's got an advertisement for the Monty Python and the Holy Grail CCG. I need to see if I've still got some of those cards. I found that I do have some because they were in a package with one of the early KODTs. I have one. I think I may only have one booster pack of them, but it's unopened. I'm pretty sure I've got a couple somewhere, but I just got to look. So this, the title page here, Dice Man Cometh, this little strip at the bottom, this is one of them that they made into a flash. Dude, didn't we talk about those before? The little flash videos from like... Oh, yeah, the little thing? flash videos. I tried to find them. I can't find them. Maybe I, maybe I lost them forever. But this is one of them that they did in the, in the flash things. Bob is asking if his character survives after a point blank blast of fire breath, knocking him backwards off a 300 foot cliff and landing in a pool of molten lava. Well, do I survive? Don't forget, I got plus one armor. Yeah, <laughs> the plus one armor. Of course, Dave backs him up. Damn, dude, you were robbed. Of course, you notice Bob was playing a halfling thief this time from Sarah's comment. Yeah, well, this is definitely before they settled into their. Kind of standard characters. Right. So Jolly really waxes poetic about uh, Dice in the editorial of a madman. Yep. Yes, he does. And then what uh, this makes me think of, there's a whole, you know, every Hackmaster edition that comes out, there's usually a lot of attention given to Dice and rolling and with a Gary Jackson quote about, when when someone is in the actual act of rolling dice, shut the hell up. <laughs> it's like deadly serious, man. You know, it, um, yeah. even in Hackmaster Basic, remember in Hackmaster Basic, they had like yeah, a they bunch had, of they pages had a whole about chapter on dice, dice, and you can still download that as a free PDF. Yeah, yeah, I never, I mean, when I got that, I was confused. Honestly, this is God's truth. First thing I thought was, Oh, they probably had to fill up some pages because of the way the printing works or something. And I I I I think I said that to Dave at one point and he was like, "Oh no, we wanted that in there." I was like, "Oh, okay." Cuz I mean, that was I, added in as an afterthought as well. 
after they already had the quotes and pricing done, they added that in. Yeah. And it, you know, because to me, I had never thought about dice that way. Yeah. Dice. I didn't really and I still think you about know. them that way. Well, Craig, I think Craig Zipsy, Black Oak, Black Oak Dice, friend of the, you know, friend of the show, official dice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Craig, I think somewhere along the line, he used a Jedi mind trick or something. Or something. <laughs> because now I have a lot of dice. In fact, I I put together a dice set for different campaigns I plan. When I when I have my my games scheduled at conventions, I will put together dice specific for the games that I'm going to go play. He got in my head, man. Yeah, I got rid of a bunch of my old dice about a year ago, but I've still got more than I'll ever need. Yes, yes, oh, I yeah, said I got, that, listeners. Yeah. I've got more dice than I'll ever need. I don't know that I can't that believe he got rid of old dice. Yeah. What was? He says he can't believe I got rid of a bunch of old dice. No, why would you get rid of dice? Just keep them. You never know when you're going to need them, dude. You never know when you're going to need some dice. But But the thing is, like, I, I mean, those guys really are serious about dice. I mean, obviously, Jolly Jolly has all these anecdotes, and he's clearly thought through the process of rolling dice, right? I'm just saying because, like, they're clearly very, very passionate about, yeah. about dice. You well, know, they, they did have so, that Kickstarter for the Power D4. Power D4. Oh, yeah. I love my Power D4s. I've got three of those. So anyway, this is Jolly showing his, his deep, deep feelings about, about dice. And then we, then after that, we got the reader letters. And of course, the second letter pops up. I was wondering if Hackmaster, the RPG, is ever going to come out as a real product. Do they answer that one? Because I've got the bot, so I don't have the letters. Well, it says right here, they've, back in May, April 90, whatever, 97, that they had recently contracted from Crunchy Frog Enterprises to write the Hackmaster rules. So, hey, I'm curious, George, maybe you know more of the history. Is this actually like the beginning of the Hackmaster rules, the ones that were like an AD&D kind of sort of parody game? Or is this an effort that failed and then they got that AD&D This is a particular later? effort that fell through. They had actually talked to, I think, two or three different companies, and they were going to have somebody else completely write it. And nothing came to fruition, and then they got the license in late 99 or 2000 to use first and second edition rules, and they did it all in-house. So the legend is, the lore is, and you guys, George, you'll know this, correct me if I'm wrong, when Wizards of the Coast released the Dragon Compilation CDs, they assumed that all of the content creators of the magazines had sold, relinquished their rights of their content, you know, when they put them in a magazine. But Jolly doesn't do that. They just had rights to run his comic once when they print the magazine. But they put all these magazines on the CD, and Kinzer and company, who, you know, now is with Jolly, they're like, what the hell, dude? You can't reprint our stuff. So part of that kind of negotiation, and this is Dave's, you know, negotiating powers. Part of that deal was 
we'll give you guys a license to do to use A and E and D. But it had to be a parody game. It couldn't be right. Yeah, serious role. And they had to approve. Like they had to send when they wrote something. They had to send it. But that was part of the deal to 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 mitigate those damages. I don't know, George, if you have any more detail. Very close. It wasn't so much that they had the right to to run it once. It was they did not have the right to produce them in a different medium. Oh, uh, right. okay. Yeah, like in a digital format. Like and that. so I act, we actually talked about this at Gen Con one year. Dave told the whole story. Oh, at man. Gen Con, they approached Watsi and told them, hey, you were not allowed to do this, blah, blah, blah. And the guy was like, well, just tell us what you want and we'll negotiate from there. So he said they went back to the hotel room that night and there's brainstorming for what they want. And they said, oh, we should do this, but they'll never go for that. And Dave's like, no, write it down. If they say no, they say no. Yeah. So they put out a big list of stuff that they wanted to use first and second edition. They wanted to fly the D&D logo on the Calamar products. And Watsy came back and agreed to everything and added the parody clause to it for the Hackmaster. That's awesome. And then... yeah. A few months later, they released the open game license. They said, and we just found out just how useless the license was <laughs> for the D&D stuff. Well, yes and no, because they got the AD&D right, license. Right, I'm talking so. about for flying the D&D logo and using third edition for Calamar. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I mean, oh. I think they. I think one of the reasons that the Hackmaster 4, the parody game, was so popular is because it was a version of AD&D that you could play when everything was changing over to third edition, right? A lot of the people that didn't want to go were looking for something to play that was still AD&D more and or less. still be supported. And were publishing content. Yeah, it was still supported, exactly. So they, they kind yeah. of and at one, hit, right, hit it there. One game of the year. Oh, yeah. This is history. Yeah, yep, yeah. exactly. I heard a story one time about a somebody bought a Kenzer product at some game store, and some other guys were playing either fourth or fifth edition D and I don't remember how recent it was, and commenting about how Kenzer doesn't put books out very often, but D and D's got a releases all the time. And he was about to say something, and the, the store spoke up, said that's because Kenzer Company's the Game of the Year Club, not the Book of the Month Club. Oh, ooh, damn right. I think that hurt him a little bit though when they put out fifth edition Hackmaster because that same mindset kind of affected them the other way, right? Like a lot of people that were playing Hackmaster, the parody game, didn't want to come move forward into a new game. A lot of people were unhappy that it wasn't being supported. And then there were Calamar fans that were happy that Calamar was becoming Hackmaster. And Yeah. Edition Wars, man. But I'm one of those that was quite happy with the new mix. I really think Hackmaster 5 is a, a very, very solid game. Like the, you know, the new Hackmaster. I don't know if they call it five. Or no, they prefer to just call it Hackmaster. I don't think there was really much else in the letters. Except one thing I noticed, if you look down at the bottom about visit our website, it's a freaking AOL website. <laughs> MembersAOL.com. Relkin, Kenzerco, HTML. It ends in HTML. Like, Oh my God. Back in the day. Not even using the World Wide Web, you know, because it's on AOL. Even Jolly's email (laughs) is jollyrb at aol.com. Yeah, exactly. 
Oh wow, and and the snail mail address was I, in Marion, just, Indiana. I just think it's it's cool, kind of cool to see, like to remember. It really it really wasn't that long ago. I sometimes we forget just how much the world has changed in the last twenty years. And and there's some other stuff at the end in Brian's picks that I thought were kind of interesting about that too. Like like there's a a trading card classifieds periodical. Like you subscribe to get something in the mail that has classified ads for trading cards. Can you imagine something like that now? There's no way. Like, you know, it's hard to believe there actually were things like that. It is hard to believe. All right. So we get to the first strip. A story suggested by Brian Jelke, The Sixth Night. The Sixth Night, Brian Jelke. Five Green Towels. Classic strip. You hear this? This strip is mentioned. You know, this is one of, as one of the classic strips of all time. And here's where Dave says they're talking about taking everything they find because they just got a bag of hefty capacity. So did you guys notice, like right in the first frame, though, they're already putting henchmen into a bag of hefty capacity? And this comes before, yeah. way before Bag Wars, right? We just went back in time. I think you see some themes developed in this this issue yeah. that and this strip that actually play into the bag wars to a pretty even the way they read off all of the all of the loot they find. Sarah goes yeah, on yeah. about keeping them in there's uh, alignment infractions and Brian's like, but we rotate them out every six weeks, so where's the cruelty? <laughs> <laughs> six weeks. Oh man. <laughs> so bad. And and going by the standard D and D bags of holding, BA's got to know back at this point already that this is a type two bag. Well, no, I mean that's what we were saying before. Who knows how big the inside of a bag of holding is for Hackmaster, right? And I'm sure Jolly wasn't thinking about it that way at this point. So they decide that they're that taking they everything that is not nailed down. They tell Brian to sharpen extra pencils because they're taking the furniture too. <laughs> in almost every panel, B.A.'s just listing off a long inventory and Brian's at the end, blah, 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 scribble, 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 blah, blah, scribble, scribble, scribble. I mean, we, you know, we were talking about in the bag words, remember we were talking about how they could get all that money back with a couple months of dungeon crawling yeah. or whatever. It took him two hours to read all the stuff they found. Two, think about that. Two hours. How I mean, I get it that they were cleaning everything out, but still, that's a lot of shit, man. I mean, even if it was all basically worthless, how many, how many, you know, things that are worth a silver piece or a gold piece could you would you have right. to list to take up two freaking hours? I mean, and then it's all got to fit in that bag of holding, and then with a bunch of henchmen, then they finally decide. BA wants to call the diameter and said, hey, we're going to divide up treasure and EP. So it takes an hour to divide up all the treasure because they go through every freaking item in that bag. Even up. Bob took some toenail clippings. These guys are crazy, man. I mean, they're just crazy. So then Dave takes the five green towels because that's all that's left. And Brian's like, wait, does that count as five or one? Probably because he's trying to make it land on him. So then he can take... The ring of pick. giant might that was scribbled so low that nobody could see or read it. And, you know, this, I could see something like this causing a fight, but mainly because Brian's just too yep. sick. 
I mean, he's yeah. he's really just a dick, you know. And yeah. the last panel's just one of those where BA's sitting at the table, and the other end of the table is a just a black cloud of them fighting, and somebody's yelling, "No foresighters! No foresighters!" Classic Brian. This next strip is only three pages. A call for heroes. Strip opens with them cresting a hill and seeing a the city of Crandonir in the valley below, and everybody immediately. That hellhole, that rotten bastard of a king wouldn't pace when we rescued his daughter, the princess. Yeah, so here, here the totally self-aware knights of the dinner table show their, their best side, right? I mean, they're, they're unhappy about this guy, but why? What, what did he do? But before you read it, I got to tell you, honestly, I kind of am a little bit sympathetic with him on this one. I'll Sarah comments that. She doesn't remember because it was before her time. Oh, she's got the before my plays the before my time yep. card. Before time card, yeah, that's. that's so they uh, start going into it. Brian tells her that a tribe of ogres had captured the princess, and they offered them ten thousand gold to anyone that returned her. So they went off, rescued the princess, and brought her home. And Sarah's like, "Wow, that sounds like a great adventure." But why didn't the king pay you? <laughs> and here we go. Says it's cruel and inhumane. The wench cost us 10,000 gold because of the princess, and they had to fight their way out of the city. Yeah, we should have left her with the ogres, and B.A. steps in. You guys treat her like a pack mule. Do you forget holding her while Brian slapped her around? <laughs> Good Lord. All right, so here's the thing. Like Now, they do say, well, wait a minute. She had to, we asked her to carry her maximum encumbrance just like the rest of us, right? And she got slapped up because she fell asleep on guard duty, which is a standard punishment. All they did was treat her the way anybody traveling in their group is supposed to be treated. So I kind of have a certain amount of sympathy for them, man. This isn't like them mistreating NPCs. Exactly. It's kind of like that, but not exactly. They were just expecting her to carry her own weight like everybody else has to. And they did save her. They did save her, right? She would have been dead. So I think she's kind of weird. You know what this made me think of is space balls. That's what I was going to say. With Princess Vespa, which is, this is one of my favorite movies. And they run down and they're like buck tooth spacer or whatever. And she goes, he goes down there and then they fall in love. Right. But space balls, good movie. I like Sarah's comment, only 40 slaps? You didn't shave her head and branch, slack her on her forehead like you did Nobby Foot? Well, <laughs> you see, but that's it. they did it to Nobby Foot, too. Like, they, th- this is their standard punishment. Right, so what we're going to, but then she groin kicked me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they made her wear a leather thong and chainmail bra. Well, we told her she needed protection. <laughs> Hey, that is kind of the standard armor. If you look at some of the old gaming books, Dragon Magazine covers, etc., awful lot of the yeah. uh, female characters were in the, you know, minimally protective armor. Yeah. yeah. So Sarah's like, I've heard enough. <laughs> Let's just get on with the game. Well, they're moving down, and they hear the tolling of hundreds of city bells, and immediately they go in her guard. Sounds like there's trouble. I get my Hackmaster plus 12. I got a bad feeling about this. Of course, Sarah, the 
mostly reasonable oral, it could mean something good as well as bad. We should find out first. Just kind of foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Then they get close. Two women who are weeping with apparent joy toss wreaths of flowers around their necks and start kissing them on the cheeks. Of course, I immediately think they're succubi. I waste them with my crossbow. I'm going to avert my eyes as I decapitate. Why would there be succubi running out of some random city? And at no point were they asked to make a saving throw either, so. Yeah, yeah, I don't get it. Of course, they're like, they're just innocent women. You won't say that when you're turned to a pillar of salt. So they end up, Bob Peppers one with bolts of slaying. Dave rolls a nat 20 and beheads one. And uh, Brian decides to guard their backs to make sure no more of them are coming. And they find a flyer saying, Joyce News, the king and queen have given birth to a brand new baby girl. Of course, ah, I knew it. The succubi were plugged to kidnap the new princess. Thank God we're here to thwart their plan before it happened. Exactly. We better head to the palace and get rewarded. You know, I mean, the funny thing about this whole thing, at the end, it's Brian saying, you know, it's this kind of heroic stuff that keeps me coming back to the game over and over again. Brian is clearly role-playing something in his head that is not what's happening at the table. Like, their utter lack <laughs> yeah. of self-awareness is just funny. It's just like, you know, like, how they how could they even go anywhere in the campaign world? Anybody that comes up to him, they immediately try to kill him. Do you need information about a 40-year-old game now? Then you need to listen to the Save for Half podcast, the podcast dedicated to talking about some of the oldest games out there. We make sure that you get your old-school gaming information piping hot in under an hour or your money back. Old School Gaming is a division of Old Men Screaming at Clouds. Old Men Screaming at Clouds is an affiliate company of old ladies talking to cats and wholly owned by the Mud Puppy Games Network. And that's it for a call for heroes. All right. Well, we will put a pin in this and pick it back up on the flippity flop. The flippity flop. Thanks for listening to Radio Free Muncie. If you have a comment, you can leave it at our anchor site or you can email us at radiofreemuncie at gmail.com. See you next time.